Today on Locked On Canadians, everyone is fired or resigned. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode 499 of Locked On Canadians. And thanks as always for making us your first listen of the day. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm joined as always by the wonderful Scott Matla. Scott, how are you doing? You were trying to get some rest this weekend. I was trying to get some work done this weekend, but the Canadians had other plans. It was it was a wild weekend because every time <laughs> I opt to not watch the Canadians, they win on Saturday night. And so they played one of the dumbest games I've ever seen against the Penguins where they won. The Rocket lost. And in the middle of all that, we hired Jeff Gordon, but didn't hire Jeff Gordon. But Scott Mellonby resigned, but maybe, but did. And then they just fired everybody and made it easy for everyone on Sunday <laughs> when I was trying to take a nap in between football games. So it's it's been quite a weekend for the Canadians and for this show. We do have a special guest we'll announce in one moment. But just to remind everybody, tomorrow is our 500th episode. And in honor of our 500th episode, we are giving away three things. We'll be giving away a t-shirt from 514 Shirts. We'll be giving away a mask or a scrunchie. You, you get your choice. It has to be the halves one, though, from uh, Shayna Goldman's Etsy store. And we've got a Twitter giveaway, and that'll be the stickers from JD Young Designs. So just make sure that you listen to the first five episodes in December. So it's episodes 501 to 505. There will be a magic keyword phrase. We will have one word per day sprinkled randomly into the episode. And then at the end of it, we'll give you guys a few days to email us at lockedonkitties at gmail.com with the word. We'll draw a winner. And whoever enters that giveaway gets either the shirt or the mask or scrunchie. And whoever enters the Twitter giveaway, which is just a retweet giveaway, the ones that you're familiar with, they'll get stickers. But in the meantime, big, big news in Montreal. And we are joined by Andrew Berkshire, who is from our sister show, The Crosscheck NHL. Also, Game Over Montreal, which every night after the games, he has a show on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. It is a YouTube show, but you can also listen to it in podcast format. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing very well. I'm kind of laughing that I actually had a conversation with Scott on Twitter yesterday where he was talking about, you know, he just needs a break and he needs to like relax a little bit. And I was like, you know, you're not going to, you're going to be recording about the firing on Sunday. And he was like, I don't know, probably. And here we are. And here we are. And, and we're so grateful to you for joining because this is something that, you know, Scott and I have been talking about and the market has been talking about for a while, but in very much abstract terms. Like if, if you ask me if I expected this, I would have told you that no, because I expected that the team was just going to wait until Mark Bergevin's contract ran out in the off season. And then they were going to part ways and it was going to be, you know, they were going to hire a transition, uh, sorry, a replacement and they could transition in maybe a few months into the season or something like that. And what ended up happening was I think that if the Canadians had been even mediocre, even passably mediocre on ice, this would probably not have happened. Yeah, I think you can kind of see how low the faith bar was for the organization with the fact that almost everyone expected the Canadians would just ride it out with Mark Bergevin, which is like the most untenable situation that you could look at, right? Like, even if you're intending on bringing him back, doing that 
to just ride it out until the offseason makes no sense from a negotiation perspective, from a him doing his job properly perspective, from the future of the team perspective. So, like, if you're going to move on, move on, get some new eyes on the club, figure out what needs to change and just cut the cord quickly. And like I had Shreen Ahmed on my show on Game Over on Friday and we were talking about how, like, you know, something needs to happen here. Something has to break with how bad they're playing, with how bad the record is, with the offseason that they had. And we were like, but we don't believe it's going to next day. (laughs) You know, like nobody believed that they would actually act. Now, the question is whether their actions are going to be like something that's progressive, right? Something you want actually want to see something that's better than Bergevin. We don't know that yet. But the fact that they actually did something and recognized that there was an issue that had to be addressed, which, listen, the bar is very low, despite the fact they went to a Stanley Cup final, not even, you know, a few months ago, not even six months ago. The bar is very low, but it's good. You know, like there's some level of I I don't want to say hype, but some happiness and some excitement around the organization that we haven't really seen since before the draft. I think a lot of it is we talked a lot about needing a VP of hockey operations or a president of hockey operations or whatever. Laura and I talked about how Toronto has a Brendan Shanahan to Kyle Dubas. Mark Bergevin's boss was Mark Bergevin, and that's a recipe for bad things. And yes, you the bar was the floor in what they're doing right now, but they saw that this is a bad thing. And someone pointed out on Twitter that the last time a GM left, which I believe was Ganey, he recommended his replacement, and that didn't really turn out all that well. And it appears Jeff Molson went, we're not doing that again. I'm not hiring Scott Mellenby to be Mark Bergevin light again. It seems like is long as it took, they still learned a lesson from this. This isn't falling ass backwards into something and going, it's fixed now. They actually seem to have learned a lesson from all of this, hopefully. And and it looks like they're looking for change, right? It wasn't, Scott Mellenby resigned because he was told that he wasn't going to get the GM job or the president of hockey operations job or the VP of hockey operations. And then Mark Bergevin, you know, they fired him, but they also fired Trevor Timmons. This is a general manager who has been in charge of scouting development. You know, he's been, he's been very, very instrumental in that kind of stuff. And then they also relieved Paul Wilson, who I called Patrick Wilson on the Locked On NHL show uh, of, of his duties as well. And, and it's like, what did the PR guy do, you know? And somebody brought this up on Twitter and it was like the way that they handled the draft in the offseason, that has something to do with it as well. And so for me, my question is, it looks a little bit hollow when this could have taken place right after the draft, It was if it was so badly handled. And it's sort of like, to me, it's like, okay, clearly they want a lot of change. They have to part ways with the old regime, so to speak. But at the same time, like this could have happened a long time ago and it didn't. I think I think the on ice results kind of uh, really, really brought home and they they it was like a stark reality check that the team was not going to be able to do well without some stability in the front office. And that was something that we were worried about with complete instability in the front office. And so this is something that was a long time coming. A lot of people are surprised that they went ahead and finally did it is the thing. And is it like, were they waiting for the right candidate? The argument that I kept making was that Jeff Molson wants to make a change, but he hasn't decided yet what that change should be. Yeah, I think that there's a temptation to look at it and say, oh, you know, Jeff Molson uh, clearly wasn't comfortable with the whole draft situation this summer. And therefore he wasn't comfortable with how it was handled PR wise or draft wise. So that's why Trevor Timmons is gone. And that's why uh, Paul Wilson is gone. I am not willing to let 
Jeff Molson skate on that whole thing. Cause remember <laughs> it was his first awful statement. Like he was the first one to talk, right? I, I maybe right, no. talked first, but like he did confirm that everything went through him. Like he did approve everything. So definitely not letting him skate on that one. And I don't know if this is, maybe there was some lack of comfortability around that situation. I know for a fact that there were ripples throughout that, com- that organization after that pick that there are women employed in that organization who felt that they were now not valued, right? That their opinions were not heard. So that has an impact. And I, it's impossible to say whether that filtered down into the on ice performance, but I wouldn't be surprised if everything trickles downhill, right? In terms of management, if you're crazy at the top, like Pierre Gauthier was around the end of his tenure there, and you're trading guys in the middle of the game, that lack of confidence, that sporadic, unpredictability is going to result in on ice performance being hurt. I don't know if that's the case here, but I wouldn't doubt it at all. Now the whole Paul Wilson thing, I think that him and Timmons were let go for different reasons, but like things that make sense, right? Like you look at Timmons and it's hard to blame him fully because if you look at his draft record under the Ganey regime and the Goche regime, it's actually quite good. It was one of the better ones in the NHL compared, like based on where they had their picks under the Bergevin regime. It's arguably the worst in the entire league. You know, so that comes down to development as well. But Paul Wilson, I think that move signifies to me that Molson has started to realize that there's a breaking of trust between the Canadians and media and the Canadians and their fans. The way that they've handled their public relations department over the last several years is not good. You look at the way that media people talked about Paul Wilson when he got fired today, and it wasn't kind. It was like... (laughs) This guy was a bully. He was a like a full on bad person is what <laughs> several people were like. He's a bad person. They <laughs> would restrict access from media who were critical of the team, which flat out should not be allowed to happen. And this is one of the reasons why I don't think NHL teams should be allowed to be the ones who do credentials and control access because media is supposed to be critical. That's the purpose of the whole thing. They're supposed to be asking questions that you don't want to answer. So if you don't like that, you're not running a public company anymore. Like that isn't what this is. This is sports. It's not serious business until something serious happens. So I'm hoping that that means that Canadians are going to operate with a little bit more transparency going forward. And we get to see more of the plan going forward, because that's something I think Canadians fans really deserve after the crap they've been through over the last five years that if it weren't for COVID, this would be five straight years out of the playoffs. Like that's what we really should be focusing on here at the end of Mark Bergevin's tenure. Yes. The magical cup run. Fantastic. Super fun. Really awesome. But it was magical for a reason. It wasn't sustainable. I think most people knew that at the time, if the organization didn't, which it appears they didn't, then this had to happen. There's even if the season didn't start out this way, they actually believed that that was repeatable. Get out of here. And we're going to talk about what is in store first with this new hiring and then what could possibly happen, what what the new management could look like. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, stop me if this sounds familiar. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love 
without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. And today with us, we have one half of your second listen of the day in the Crosscheck NHL show. Uh, Andrew Berkshire is with us as we discuss the changes in the front office in Montreal. An intriguing thing that you brought up, Andrew, was that a lot of people were not happy with the way that the Canadians have run the PR aspect of their organization. And it's very, very true. There's nothing a sports media guy loves after somebody has been traded or fired or resigned than singing their praises and saying how they were always available to them and how they were always so nice and how they've had nothing but good experiences with this person and the fact that they didn't do that with this guy uh, with with Paul Wilson um, is is an indication it's also like to me it makes me curious as to where Jeff Molson is getting his sound bites his advice and his opinions um, I think it's really really interesting like who has his ear but at the same time it looks to me like they made a positive step in the right direction with the choice that they made for what I believe is going to be their vice president hockey operations is the actual title. And that is Jeff Gordon, who, while he was an interim GM in Boston, presided over the best draft they had. Uh, And then when he was in New York, when he was with the New York Rangers, he brought in some excellent, excellent players. And not only that, the key aspect here is that He was in charge when the New York Rangers came out and told their fans, listen up, we're doing a rebuild. We're doing this for you. We want a good team in the future. And this is how it's going to be. And we hope that, you know, we're going to be transparent with you. And we hope that you understand. A lot of people saw that as gutsy. Uh, I thought that at the time fans reacted really well to it. I think that three or four years ago, if you did something like that in Montreal, I don't think anybody would have been happy with it, but given what happened this season, I feel like there might be an appetite for it. If you came right out, you were transparent with the people and said, look, we've got some really good young pieces and the Canadians do have good young pieces. It is important to note that there may, it might not be an elite entire lineup, but they've got some pieces that you can start to build around. So they'll say, look, we've got some good pieces. It's going to be a couple of years, but we might be, we might be bad. We might be bad, but we're doing it so that we can have long-term consistent success like teams like Tampa Bay. Yeah. I I think the Canadians fans would accept that at this point. I don't think they would would accept transparency and honesty, right? Yeah, they would hundred percent. And I think, especially when you look at, like you mentioned, Laura, they have pieces. This isn't a team that needs to be stripped down to the bones. They can move a couple of players out at a certain point in time and, take advantage of when contracts are ending this year and next year. And after that, like Cole Caulfield isn't going anywhere. Nick Suzuki's already signed long-term. Like you can build something relatively quickly, probably while Carey Price is still good. Obviously we have to wait to see how he is after coming back from this time off. But if he's anywhere close to his playoff performance, the last two seasons, anywhere close to it, they still have something there until he's a little bit older. It's funny is that I look at Jeff Gordon and you're right, is that if the Canadians are honest about what they're doing, fans will accept that if you do this half-assed, 
one side of the fence or other thing, that's what everyone gets mad because we don't know what the plan is. And I do think it's kind of funny that Gorton's available only because James Dolan decided to get involved in the New York Rangers, which (laughs) if you ask any New York Knicks fan is never a good thing. And that the team that's out there and is actually playing well this season is not because of Chris Drury. Chris Drury went out there and actively made the team worse by trying to murder Tom Wilson every single time they play this year. Oh, look, the core of that team is built from what Jeff Gordon did. The same with the Bruins right now. A good chunk of that is from his work before he was replaced by Peter Shirelli, which is an entire different uh, line to go down. There's a lot there to like. And as I would see the VP of hockey operations going forward now, if he's there guiding whoever they bring in, you could do a lot worse than that. And I think honesty and upfront, having a plan in place, like this is what Gordon does. He's going to bring in these guys. He's going to do this. I'm happy to know that at least there seems to be a proven path forward in other circumstances. He's not entirely new coming into this right now. It's established what he's going to do. It's going to suck for a little bit. Like it's all rebuilds or retools going to suck, but at least there's a light at the end of that tunnel, assuming it's handled properly. The main thing is like, it sucks now, right? So like you're coming into a situation where it already sucks. The bar is low. It's always great for an incoming general manager to come in when fans are at their lowest, right? Mark Bergevin came in when like things just completely fell apart, right? Under Goche, the bar couldn't have been lower. And what happened? Well, everybody absolutely loved this guy, despite the fact the first thing he did was sign four-year contracts to Brandon Prust and Travis Mullen, you know, like <laughs> and bring in Michel Terry and a, a retread coach. Like it wasn't like he made a bunch of brilliant moves to start things off. Things worked out pretty well for him because the core that he inherited was actually really friggin' good. But overall, not the best start for Bergevin, but he was like universally loved, right? He was the fresh face. That's going to happen for the next guy regardless. I think Gorton has a good history of turning things around in a relative hurry. The main thing that worries me a little bit with Gorton is that they kind of had the same thing happen in New York that plagued Bergevin, where they had they said they were going to do a full rebuild, but they kind of had two feet in like different spots, right? Like you're like, oh, we're going to do a full rebuild, but uh, Artemi Panarin wants to sign here. So we're going to sign Artemi Panarin. It's like, <laughs> does he actually fit into the rebuild? And then it's like, how much of the New York Rangers right now being decent is because Adam Fox fell into their lap, right? right? Adam Fox wanted to be a New York Ranger. Who wants to be a Montreal Canadian that's going to turn the franchise around? That'd be great, wouldn't it? For the next guy to come in, just like, oh, I want to be a Montreal Canadian. It's just like a generational defenseman. They would love that. So like some things you get lucky on, but I wonder how much of like uh, the wishy-washy nature of what happened with the New York Rangers rebuild was Jeff Gorton and how much of it was John Davidson, right? Because there was, I don't know in how simpatico they were. I know they were fired at the same time, but I know John Davidson doesn't strike me as the newest school guy. Like he's very old school, whereas Jeff Gorton seems to be a little bit more of a pragmatic thinker. So I'm hoping for the Canadian's sake, that they're getting all the good and not the bad because they really need a direction to stick to. And I think especially in the beginning of Bergevin's tenure, that was something that he consistently failed at. You know, the first year they were way better than they thought they were going to be, but they got destroyed by Ottawa in that first round because everybody got injured in game one. Gianta out, Pacioretty out, Lars Eller out. Carry Price blown groin. Of course they lose. Of course they lose. But what did they see? They saw that line brawl in game four, I think. And they're like, we need to get tougher. Game three, Scott says. We need to get tougher. So they signed a bunch of tough guys. 
Then the next season that didn't work. So they went to the puck moving defenseman, right? Didn't get past where they wanted to get past. So they got tough guys again. It's like, you can't <laughs> keep going back and forth, <laughs> stick with a plan, try to go for a couple of years. Like all credit in the world to Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs. Everyone thinks they're just trying to redo the same thing over and over again. And insanity is trying to do the same thing. It doesn't work. It's going to work for them. They have the pieces and they're not panicking. I think that is huge for our management group. The Canadians have never had that. The only time Bergevin ever was consistent was like, I'm going to sign a bunch of clones of my own self. That's the thing too, is that when he finally did pick the direction, the direction was an outdated one, right? Yes. And that's something that we've criticized this team for a lot. And we said it even in the Stanley Cup final, we said, you know, credit to Mark Bergevin, like when he stuck, like, we don't agree with this direction and we don't think that it's going to end well over the long, over the long term, but he decided that this is what he's going to do. And then he stuck to his guns and he like went like all in on defensive defensemen that, you know, are from 10 years ago, not from now. Right. Like it's not from the NHL now. And so that is one thing that I think that I would want. And, and I wonder as well, like when they hire somebody like Jeff Gordon, who has now they're saying 30 years of experience in the industry and, in, you know, in, in hockey and in the NHL, does that mean that they're thinking they want some young blood? and they want somebody new or like somebody who's relatively unknown and they wanted an experienced person around to guide them. And I think that's a question that we're going to ask in our final segment today with Andrew Berkshire. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, it's here, the best Monday of the year, Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to aim your mouse. Get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has landed just in time for Cyber Monday. Caramel Almond Delight, and it delivers everything it promises. Caramelized chocolate, check. Almonds, check. Delightful, double check. Make sure to get yours before they're gone. They've each got 150 calories and 17 grams of protein, and I won't lie, I did get a sample, and they are delicious. And this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate. For a limited time, get a special new Built Bar Puffs flavor, white chocolate cheesecake. The yummy protein treat filled with a marshmallowy center covered in white chocolate. That's 140 calories and 17 grams of protein. Tis the season to save and to give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Get to Built.com for these incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything. Head to Built.com and enter code LOCKED20 before it's too late. Built.com, LOCKED20. It's Thanksgiving, or it was, and we all know what that means. Football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving and beyond. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive your bonus. And it's not just football, Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC. Even your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Don't forget that promo code is locked on. Bet online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. 
So in our final segment, we're going to do a little bit of speculating here. And of course, the Canadians can make a decision before this episode drops and make this episode obsolete, as they love to do. Hopefully that changes in the Bergevin era and they time all of their decisions to be around 7 p.m. every night. So uh, when we record, we have all the news uh, ready to go. So. Andrew, what are your thoughts? You had you had a really, really interesting thread on, on Twitter the other day. And actually, let me preface this by saying in their press release, the Montreal Canadiens did say that the expectation of the general manager would was that they would be able to communicate with their fans in English and French. They said both languages. Now, every time this comes up, either Montreal Canadiens fans from outside of Quebec or Anglophone ones in Quebec or even hockey fans at large always say that language is a stupid criteria for selection for the GM. I think a lot of people forget that in Quebec there are eight and a half million people and an overwhelming majority of those are French speakers. We're an English podcast so you have exposure to us every day. We're Anglophone fans but that's not the case with the majority of this market. I think it is reasonable to expect that a general manager be able to communicate with the fans and the media in French. They might not have to be a French Canadian person. They don't necessarily have to be fluent. I think they can be functional in French as long as they make an effort to communicate with the fans in the language of, you know, in their own language. Now, that is not the limiting criteria. I think, Andrew, you made really, really, really good points. So I'm going to let you take this one away real quick before we talk about who it could be. Yeah, I mean, I think you see this every single time with any other organization that has a GM opening, right? And you look at the insiders and it's like Darren Dreger tweeting like, and uh, the candidates for this GM job are Dale Talon, Peter Chiarelli, and some guy who worked for both of those guys. (laughs) And it's like, okay, uh, how is it a limitation to not include those guys? You know, like... (laughs) I understand what people mean by saying like, oh, well, how many guys who are ready for this level of position also speak French? And it's like, well, first of all, let's stop saying guys, because let's open it up to women as well. And let's look at it outside of just being a hockey man, a former player, because the limiting factor here has nothing to do with language. If we're really being honest, it's hiring a hockey man, quote unquote. Those people are very insular. And this is kind of my frustration with like, whenever you're trying to evaluate who should be hired as an executive, right? It's very difficult for an outsider to understand an executive's record who hasn't been a GM before. So for most people, they want to see people who's, who've already been a GM so they can judge their past moves. You don't know really what an AGM is responsible for. It's hard to judge that. And the insiders who are talking to the hockey men to get their opinions of people who are working for organizations, can they be trusted? Because they're talking to hockey men. You know, like, <laughs> and they're... these are people that are their sources that they that they want to keep good relationships with. Well, that and also they're biased about what is good. You know, you talk to people around the league, and Mark Bergevin is seen as one of the better GMs in the league. He's a 50-50 guy. Like the Canadians were mediocre almost his entire tenure. So how is he supposed to be one of the best GMs in the league when for the most part, they didn't really accomplish anything. It's, it's crazy that we are in this situation where for a management position, we're looking mostly around the league at former hockey players, most of them with a high school education, like somebody who is an expert at handling contracts, handling interpersonal relationships. That's what you actually want. Surround them with hockey men. 
you know, like people talk about Matthew Darsh. I have all the time in the world for Matthew Darsh. I think he's super smart. Should he be the next GM of the Montreal Canadiens? I don't know. I'd love to see him hired as an assistant GM or some sort of advisory role, like a big role in the organization, but I would like to see them hire the best manager. That doesn't have to be a manager from hockey. It doesn't even have to be a manager from sports. As long as there's somebody with a background in the things that you need to be good at a manager from another business, a lawyer, like Julian Breezebois is the best GM in the NHL. He doesn't really have a hockey background. He didn't play hockey, high level hockey. Yes. He was groomed in the Montreal Canadiens organization when he was managing the Hamilton Bulldogs, but he's not a hockey guy, right? He made himself into a hockey guy. That's the kind of person they should be going after. And whenever people talk about like, Oh, you know, language is really holding them back. When they hired Mark Bergevin, who was the best person available? Guess what? It was Julian Breezebois. Was it? Yeah. He was, he was in the organization. No, he, oh, he, they he had let just him left. left. He had just no, left they to let the him Tampa leave. Bay Lightning. Yeah, so he'd only with left like a year or two before. <laughs> yeah, with Guy Boucher to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So they both left. He was interviewed, right? I remember specifically, and you can go and check this, I wrote a column for Eyes on the Prize saying that Julian Breezebois was the best guy that they could possibly hire. It was like between him and Jim Nill. And Jim Neal's been all right in Dallas. He's been okay. Basically the same as Bergeman. But like, you can go back. It was a Francophone. And you can go back to like their last major coaching hire. They're like, oh, a Francophone holds them back. Who would have been better than Claude Julien? <laughs> you know, like, it's easy to say, oh, it thins the pool. But in practical notions, the best guy is often the French guy. So like... <laughs> Even though their hiring practices are very like mediocre NHL, only looking at their inside track guys, they're still doing decently well or finding decent people based on these restrictions. So if they were to open it up wider, they could have a bigger hiring pool than any organization in history. They Do true. I expect them to? No. <laughs> but the fact that everyone's stuck on French, it's like that's it's showing your I don't even want to say biases, your bigotry. I was going to say, I have a, I have a point that goes off to Andrew there. He's talking, it's like, if you hire someone from outside sports and you're the Montreal Canadiens, you're the most storied franchise in the NHL taking that risk out there. And that if this franchise, which is rooted in traditionalism and whatnot, wants to take that risk, it's a kind of ripple effect through hockey. You can change things at a sporting level for that. In that, oh, we hired someone from outside sport to oversee this because they're not a hockey person. They don't have their preconceived biases from when they played or managed or did whatever. And the Canadians did that. And no offense to like the Carolina Hurricanes. If they did that, cool, but you're Carolina. This is Montreal, one of the three richest teams in the league right now. One of the most storied franchises in all of sport. And they're taking that risk. If they can do it, so can everyone else. And then the hiring, you find better candidates throughout the sport. It has that ripple effect that I think would be a positive, especially the Canadians manage to find someone good at what they do here, especially whether it's an AGM, GM, or whatever to help Gordon out here who's working in hockey ops. And that's the, the advantage of having someone like Jeff Gordon as vice president of hockey ops, right? Is they are the insulation. They're the experienced general manager who's done this before, who can act with somebody who is a rookie GM and say like, mm, that's a little bit too crazy. Or like, this is the proper process of doing this. They can walk them through things. The Canadians have a real opportunity here to do something unexpected to get a, an actual advantage over other teams, 
Like I said, I don't expect them to. I expect them to hire somebody like Vincent Danfoos or something. But <laughs> they have an opportunity here. And I'd love to see them take advantage of it because this is an organization that for decades now has underutilized their financial ability to get the best of the best. You look at the way that Toronto has like multiple skills coaches. They have like people who work with their uh, prospects and their NHL players just on skating. Barb Underhill, just there to help them with skating. You know how much better off the Canadians would be if they actually had a developmental approach similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs? How many more prospects would have worked out? Like you look at Alex Galchenyuk's first year, people forget Alex Galchenyuk's scoring shortened season. Yes. As an 18 year old was the highest scoring 18 year old season per 60 at even strength since Sidney Crosby. Like that dude was a force offensively. And yes, he blew out his knee in year two. That matters, but not helping him rehab that knee and rehab his game to a point where he could be effective and just saying like sink or swim, you're on your own kid. It works for Brendan Gallagher's of the world, but it doesn't work for everyone. And it's, it's very rare that you find Brendan Gallagher's. So the Canadians, they need to get modernized. They need to like, I want to see their developmental staff, like four or five times more people in that role, in those roles. I want to see more coaching for uh, Laval, more guys working with those prospects all the time, more communication with their young players. Like when it leaked, uh, I guess Mark Antoine Gaudin reported last week that the Canadians hadn't talked to Jordan Harris since like last year. Like what? That, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come we on. talked about that in one of our episodes. Like Scott was very, very disappointed about that laissez-faire attitude about that. And that's the thing. Like there's a couple of things that I think whoever comes in, ideally would do and again we don't expect it to happen but it would be really nice is somebody not only who's a good manager like Andrew pointed out somebody who is who has the humility to know what they don't know right they're not always going to have the right answer they're not always going to be like the be all end all so they can say all right you know what I'm going to get the best person to do this whether it's development whether it's sports psychology whether it's the capologist whether it's like legal issues whatever it is They'll say, I'm going to get the best person available to do this because I know that I don't know it and I can't be the final word. Yes, I'll make a decision when when it's time, when I'm faced with a decision, but somebody who, who knows has to be advising me on these things, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest things. And, and just like literally the other thing that I, I, I think about is we criticize the Canadians on scouting and drafting and uh, sorry, on scouting, on drafting and development. And that's something that organizationally they have to change, but it all goes back to what you said, like two segments ago, they have to pick a direction and go in it, whether they're going to be like, all right, we're going to like try and accumulate skill or whether we're going to try to take what we've got and build it into something, whatever it is. Right. But they also have to be people who are adaptable. Like to me, I think the problem that I have, not just with the NHL, but sports in general, especially men's sports, is that a lot of organizations, a lot of leagues are just, they don't adapt. They're like, this is the way it's always been. This is the way we're going to do it. And you have to be able to adapt because if you look at all the franchises who have better records, they adapted and they like, they took advantage of all the tools, even when it wasn't a popular thing to do, you know? So I think like there's a lot that could be done with this team, especially with some of the pieces that they've got. And I think, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, like Jordan Harris, I think that that's, that's where you start. If this guy's going to be good, like he's already got one foot out of the organization and Mark Bergevin basically opened the door. 
I think, you know, that's, that's where you start. You rebuild your relationship with people like that. The development is such a mess and they've taken steps forward. Uh, like the AHL is better than it was a few years ago. It's not a, again, a high bar to cross, but it's taken steps forward, but there's still so much that needs to be done. Have an AHL GM. Why bog down your NHL staff with this? Focus on this. Have people actually focusing on these things and get the most out of it. You're the Canadians. You're worth a billion plus dollars. You can afford to do this kind of thing, honestly. Like, throw your money around. Who's going to stop you? Because the Arizona Coyotes can't do it. You can't do it? No. Go throw your money around and make the best team possible or give your team the best possible chance in this. And that includes when they hire the front office and all those other support staff for it, go for it. Like, don't just say it, do it. You know, you can talk about wanting to improve and updating and being more modern, but if you don't actually do it, it doesn't matter. It It's just empty words. And I think fans are kind of sick of that at this point. Yeah. You, you have to pick a lane. That's like, you have to, you have to think long-term and you have to pick a lane. That's like the big thing. And it's not just thinking about long-term for the players on the team right now, or the prospects. You have to think about long-term in terms of developing players who want to play for the Montreal Canadians. That goes beyond the draft that goes towards youth hockey in Quebec. You, the Canadians have to do a lot more grassroots growth and lower level organizational growth that they've neglected for a very long time. And I think Bergman deserves some credit that at the very least he started to do some things with that, with the coaching staff, he started to groom some of the younger French coaches out of the queue, bringing them into the, the organization, whether it was the ECHL or the AHL. Unfortunately, he lost Joel Bouchard in the off season, which might've been like the first hint that things were falling apart. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's, there's some level of progress, but, not enough and not quickly enough. And I, I just think my continual go-to is the fans of this franchise deserve better. There's a lot of people who are fans of the Montreal Canadiens who become complacent. They're just happy with decent, right? That's not what the Montreal Canadiens are. They're supposed to be the mar- marquee franchise of the, of the National Hockey League. You can't be the best team in the league every year forever. You're going to have downswings. But if you just stay mediocre, you never get to the high point. That's exactly it. And you can't be happy with just good enough. And whether, and and that's the thing is like, whether your philosophy or your direction turns out to be the right one or not committing to it, it says a lot being transparent about it says a lot and really, really, really going hard on being part of the community again, I think says a lot. And part of that is exactly like you said, the grassroots stuff. And, you know, there is, there's obviously a lot of stuff at play with, with youth hockey and things like that, expenses and barriers and all of that. And that is something that even though uh, it, it was, it was couched in very nationalistic language, which we didn't like, like, you know, the, 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 the provincial government is looking into that, you know, they, they're commissioning a report. They want to see what can be done. But at the end of the day, you know, part of that is you have to recognize that there are barriers for people, there are barriers for newcomers, there are barriers for low-income people. And part of that, and, 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 reducing those barriers is what's going to grow the game in, in youth hockey again in this province. That's a long way away. And so the first step is going to be who they hire to be the GM. And we're going to be talking about that 
and make sure that you tune in tomorrow because tomorrow is our 500th episode. Not only that, at, at some point on Tuesday, Scott is going to drink a really disgusting drink and we'll reveal <laughs> what that is. And we'll post the video on Tuesday in celebration of our 500th episode. And don't forget our giveaway. You have to listen to the first five episodes of December and get tell us the keywords or follow us on Twitter. There'll be a Twitter giveaway as well. Thank you so much to Andrew for uh, joining us to talk about this. Andrew, where can people find the many, many things that you do? Well, you can find everything that I do on my uh, Twitter profile page. You can just go to the link tree link there and it'll have everything, but you can find me on youtube.com uh, slash STPN for Game Over Montreal. You can find me at the Locked On uh, Crosscheck NHL show, anywhere you can get your podcasts. The Montreal Gazette, I write every other week. And also uh, Betway, which I write uh, twice a week, do some betting lines for the NHL. And if you want to follow us, we're at LO underscore Canadians. Our email address is lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Please follow or subscribe. Scott's on Twitter at, at Scott Matla. I am on Twitter at The Active Stick. If you like this podcast, check out Locked On Bets, where they have been absolutely killing it lately. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.